You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. This is the 3CR Garden Show and I'm Virginia Hayward. With me this morning I've got Clive Larkman from Larkman Nurseries, Jack Semler who has just recently introduced a wonderful book to our world and Graham Morrison, our fruit expert. Good morning everybody. Good morning. Lovely morning. Yes. I saw some sun. (laughs) Parting through the clouds, it was amazing It's become a rare sight I have to say, Clive, I have never seen the valley so wet I spoke to God yesterday I was standing there trying to lay out our stands for the plant fair 100 metres to the north, it's sunny 200 metres west, it's sunny 300 metres east, it's sunny It's bucking down on my head (laughs) (laughs) I just can't work out what I did wrong Oh my goodness, we love the waterers and gardeners But it's been intense Well, when when I lived in London for 20 years And the measure when I came back That I turned into Australian Was when I saw rain And I'd say, oh great, it's raining (laughs) Yeah, that's right, yeah, so different Because I came back during the drought Living in London, it was a drought A week without rain was a drought Yes, quite (laughs) This weekend, Doncaster I've tipped out uh, 75 mils and uh, in October, I kept a bit of a record of it. I'm two, two, 225 mils, which in my old uh, age days, that's over eight inches sort of thing. So pretty, pretty significant. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That is a lot of rain. Yeah, sure. That Lilydale one, <coughs> our pool went up three inches in, in 40 minutes. Yes, well, I measured it. We had 60 mil in half an hour. Yeah. And then the next day, I had a busload of people come to see my garden. Well, two hours before that, we just repaired our driveway, hadn't we? <laughs> Oops. <laughs> yes, and your driveway's like mine. It's steep. My, my driveway is sitting in the road at the moment. Yeah, yeah. That's right, exactly. However. Such it, is life. And it does mean the trees have got really deep water for them over the summer. That, 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 that is true. You've got to be... Certainly, uh, so sorry for the people who are you know been affected with the floods, but it does some good around the place. Uh, plants, you know, look at over El- Eltham there, and uh, you go back into the drought time, and they look pretty ordinary. There was there was gum trees dying, which means it's dry. Mm. Now there's new growth there, lovely rosy growth on everything, and it it, it, it changes the plant's life so much. Listeners, that is Graham Morrison speaking there. Yes, you would have a long memories, Graham, because I yes, read your yes, book yes. the other day, The oh, Stairway yeah. to Me. Yeah, thank you. Yes, yes, sure. And you have yeah, been yeah. in that area for a very long time. Yes, that's true. You see, a lot of the almost pioneering days, I think. Coming coming up 84, I've got to admit that. <laughs> well, I've known you a long time and I had no idea you used to teach horticulture. Yeah, that's right. Sure, yeah, that's right. Thank you. No, 
I, uh, I'm, I'm a bowler now, and one of my bowling friends said he read me book, and indeed I've sold uh, f- 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 forty odd, odd books to, the, to to my bowlers up there. They're quite interested in it all. And he, he 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 was saying that Graham, I, I I've got to know you for the first time, <laughs> which you know that's true, isn't it? Yes. Well, yeah. you, I mean, because because it's personal. It, yes, it is, yeah, true, it is true. interesting and in, yeah, in yeah, the way sure. it is revealing of yeah, you. Yeah. Mm. So often you only learn about the real person and what they've been when, when they go through their funeral, you know, but it's nice to put it out earlier. <laughs> so true. Although I have to say I did find quite a few other things in there. Um, <laughs> it was making me want to take notes. Okay, you, you know, yeah. you've got bits where yeah, you give... Th- thanks, yeah. I think I was thinking... Uh, hints. Uh, yeah, sure, hin- hin- hints for g- gardeners and... Uh, those people out there in listening land, uh, there is uh, quite a, quite a bit in there. I think that a plant person would enjoy. I've got a bit of a mix as well. And, uh, uh, orcharding days and the pioneers and how they actually the struggle that they went through in the Doncaster Templestow area mm-hmm. in the early, early days. So selected a soil type. Clive had realised about six inches of soil, and the rest was to subsoil and, and clay. And uh, it was well, barely what, subsoil. Yeah, true, true, true. <laughs> For <laughs> listeners, if you're interested in Graham's book, if you go to his um, email, which is Grayley at hotmail dot com, that is G R A L E at hotmail dot com, you can find out how to get a copy of the book. How much is the book, Graham? Yeah, t- t- selling them for $25 each, mm. and uh, postage, of course, would be about $6.50, I think, if yes. they want to, uh, to be posted out, out, out to them. But, uh, yeah, I've, uh, yeah quite, quite, quite a few people out there that are, know, know me as uh, they're, they're, they're listeners, and so you, know, you get a few people already to take, take the advantage of buying my book. Not a big book. It's about... Uh, uh, 170 pages sort of thing, but there's a lot of interest. It is positively a small book compared to Jack's. Yeah, true. <laughs> Jack has just released a book and it is absolute, absolutely beautiful. Jack, oh. tell us about your book. Oh, thank you so much, Virginia. It's lovely to come online and um, on air and share it this morning. It's called Super Bloom. It's a field guide of flowers. It's like a cook's companion for flowers and especially for you know, those people in our lives that love gardening or for people that we want to encourage into the garden. It's a, it's a way to really, you know, share the beauty and the wonder that we experience with gardening and really encourage people to get their hands dirty. I, it did actually remind me of the cook's companion. Is it Maggie Beer, the big orange oh, one? Oh, Stephanie Alexander. Oh, Stephanie Alexander, yeah. that's right. Yes, it, it reminded me of that because... Because it, it goes through flower by flower with beautiful photographs mm-hmm. and then a description of how to use the what the flower is like, how to use it, where to plant it. I mean, it is enormously, you know, oh, what does she say about cosmos? Oh, what does she say about Melianthus? Oh, yeah. You know, so it, I, found it, I found it very much like a companion. Absolutely. We really want to explore beauty and creativity in the garden. So we've often got little planting partners in each kind of plant profile as well to give you some suggestions on what beautiful things you can bring together and to really celebrate that beauty and really celebrate the experiences that we love and hold so dear as gardeners. But I have to say, listeners, I don't think you'll be Reading it in bed of a night time. <laughs> it's a bit of a whopper. Someone said to me at the book party that it's great value if you look at it per kilo. 
Yes, can keep the door open. <laughs> oh, now, now. <laughs> I did walk at home from from the book launch and it was heavy. Yeah, you've got great gardening guns, Virginia. <laughs> how, yes. long, how long did it take you? To... It was an incredibly fast process, I suppose, when it comes to writing. So we've all done it in a beautiful 12-month process. The you photo- very good. Yeah, the photographer that we worked with, Sarah Panel, is this beautiful documentary photographer. And so the images really capture some of the light and some of the beauty in the, um, you know, that we experience in our gardens too. So that's been a really exciting collaboration. And you would have had to make a whole lot of those decisions because you're not going to be photographing a lot of those flowers in December. I mean, in um, in the middle of winter. Yeah, well, I think because it's, it's, it's similar to all of us that we've also got a bank of photos because we love plants so much. And so there are things that we'd already captured before. It's true. That's what the amazing beauty of having our modern phones are. Yeah, exactly. You're not carrying a camera around with you all the time. It's just great to be able to just snap a photo. Mm. And when you, we're always looking for photos. And every time you're in a garden anywhere, oh, that's good, grab a photo of it. Yeah. Just, you might not need it now, but you do need it sometime. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm sure the photos in there are ten times better than anything <laughs> I'm going to take on my phone. Although, I mean, the phones have just become so good. It is wonderful. Well, I have done some macro with the phone, and you can zoom in really, yeah, really true, close. They, they could do that yeah. now. Yeah, unbelievable. What they have a problem with the phone is that differential in the planes of the colours, so you get that depth. You just don't quite get that. And it, they really don't do reds very well. That's okay. very true. Yeah. Yes, the camera is still best. Mm, oh, yes. yes. Mm. Yeah. But I do think that one of the things that interested me with your book, so I took it home and was just, you know, I had it on the table to read and my daughter came in and I found her and she is not a great gardener. I mean, she's becoming interested. She's been growing vegetables for a long time but she's and she, she's now stopped ref- referring to all my plants in pots as death row. She's <laughs> actually taking some interest. So she's she's beginning to move and I came home and I found her sitting there reading it and I thought, well, this is good because I really enjoyed reading it and I'm quite an experienced gardener. And my daughter, who I would love to say is an experienced gardener and I hope but is not, she was also really enjoying it. So I feel like this is a very positive thing. That's so sure. beautiful to hear because I think, you know, us, you know, we're all plant mad in the studio today. But I really, you know, we have these glorious experiences in gardens and to encourage other people into that and also to give a lot of people permission to have their own personal gardens and to really enjoy what's important to them, whether that's growing a geranium or whether that's growing some rare collector's bulb, like really to encourage everyone everybody to get out there because we all know um, all the glories that you get when you're gardening. Yeah, well, how good it is for your psychic health. Mm. That yeah. is one beauty thing that Jane Evans and I were just talking the other day about this, that um, we're going back to the old plants and the theory I'm having is a lot of people after COVID have gone to the garden and started growing some carrots or spinach and gone, mm. oh, this is fun, this is easy, but they don't want the modern cultivars, they want the thing mum and dad had. Because yes. they remember them, and they're easy, and they're tough. Yeah. And I think we're going to have a research. Even before COVID was starting, as people moved out to the country and they want bigger plants, they wanted old stuff. I agree with you completely, because some of those things, especially like pelargoniums, they're just so resilient. Like, they're so resilient. They perform so incredibly well. And the diversity that 
that are in some of those other groups as well, especially salvias. I no. No. <laughs> Come on. I'm, I'm voting for salvias. Go salvias. <laughs> other amazing one, and the, the species diversity is minor, but the cultivar is penstemons. Yes. And if you ever get a chance to go to the Kingston Raywood Garden, south of London, mm. and see their penstemon collection, it'll blow your mind. It's just the colours and the forms. Yes. And they just they go through the full from blue right through all the colours. Mm. Yes, well, I love a penstemon mm. because mm. they just stay there flowering mm. right through yeah. the season. And then if they start to look manky, you just go chop. Well, and they're absolutely had, fine. We imported one in about 2000 called Mersey Yellow after Mersey in north of Colchester. Mm. It was a prostrate ground cover that got about an inch and a half tall and about 10 or 12 inches wide with yellow flowers. Oh, do you still have it, Clive? Can no. I have one? <laughs> no, I'm desperately trying to find it again. It was a really weird plant and it, where we had it growing. It got smothered and... Yeah. I found I saw a plant when I was in England. I can't rem- can't remember what it was called, but it was absolutely beautiful. I photographed it, came back, showed it to Steve, and said, "I can't find any evidence of this online." And he looked at it and said, "Oh, I grew that years ago." I said, "Have you still got it?" And he said, "No." And I can't find anybody else. Who, yeah. And that is, of course, this is the reason that plant trust exists. Plants yes. do disappear. It's sad, and um, you know, our property. Many years ago, times got tough. We didn't, we couldn't find a gardener, and Mr. Blackberry took over. Mm. Yes, and we we were importing two hundred plants a year at that stage, and some most of them we lost, just one-offs, and yeah, it really depressed us. Some of the stuff we lost. Well, we lost so much during the drought, didn't mm. we? It was. It, it's hard to remember that we had a drought at the moment. I mean, I'm on top of the ridge. And I squelch at the highest point of my garden. Yeah. I just squelch. I, I was trying to mark out sites yesterday and squelching was an understatement. Mm. What about your fruit trees? Yes, well, uh, you know, you go back to our orcharding days and you get the, 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 these sort of uh, weather patterns and uh, particularly if you get the big rains in the winter time, the, uh, the, the deciduous trees... Peaches, nectarines are very susceptible to, to water logging, uh, and uh, uh, apples to a certain extent. Pears, you could drown them, and they sort of, they would su- su- survive. Citrus, again, you 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 know, after a year like that, you decide when you planted it, you put them on hills, you mounted up the the soil. Dad, that one year, Dad put a hundred uh, no, a mile of uh, agricultural pipes in. You know, just in in every land in the in the middle to take the excess water away, so that you wouldn't get that trouble of waterlogging. What yeah. about <coughs> my Chinese quinces? Seem to be fine. Yeah, and they probably. are. Whereas yeah. I have a brachychiton just by them, and I'm yeah. I've lost it. I'm sure. Yeah, there'd be a few 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 fruit plants go, go, go under. That's for sure. You have to go back to see. This is part of my studies was evolution and what something called zoogeography, which is how plants and animals move around the world. And you've got to go back to where the plant originated and you can understand exactly why it does what it yeah, does. And it's, it's true, isn't it? But I was emailing with, a, with a, well, a royalty agent of mine in Canada the other day and she's bitching three years of no rain. Her trees are looking like ours did in 2008, all the leaves yeah, and sure, subsoil sure. moisture is gone. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. 
I think it's so interesting, like for the first time in many years, we've actually lost plants from waterlogging Mm. rather than dry conditions. But I think, you know, there's so many incredible um, skills that we've learned in Australia from those years of dry that I hope that Mm. some of our northern hemisphere neighbours can look to us and our plant selections and beautiful Australian plants as well as some of the Mediterraneans we use. Well, the statistic that I quote, which is a very valuable one, is the difference between a wet and dry year in Europe is 20%. The difference in the US is 200 and here it's 2,000. Oh, wow. my gosh. That's why farming is so hard here because yes. from our wet to our dry yeah, is phenomenal. It's, it's extreme. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Dorothy McKellar, what did she say oh. about the land of... Mm. Yes. <laughs> dr- dr- droughts and flooding, flooding rains. rains. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but the other one that I found interesting, I was talking to my son about it, and the concept of overwatering is a hard one to get through. He thinks it's too much water. He said, no, once it's wet, you can just keep pouring water on the plant doesn't care. It's the distance between then, or the time, and the next watering that's critical. Although it's actually sitting in water, isn't it? Yes. So it's not how much water you put on. Once it's wet, it's wet. I said, once the bath's full, the bath's full. You can't get any more water in it. But you need it to dry out. And some plants need to dry out, and some pieces just a little bit of drying out. The time time that they were waterlogged would play a part. Critical. Yeah, yeah. sure. Well, that's definitely what's happened to my bronchitis. It's lost all its leaves and I don't... And what's happened is my dam, which has never overflowed before, is overflowing and it's... So the brachychitin's not sitting in water, but all the water that's coming out of the dam is just going straight underneath it. So yeah, that's a good yeah. I think I think it's gone to God, unfortunately. Probably not. How tall is it? Oh, six, seven foot. Yes, well, yeah, once they get big, that they can actually go... Yeah, it's been there. I, I, I mean, I grew up from seeds, so mm. it's been there a long time. I'm, I won't take it out, of yeah. course. I'll just hope. I've also got a rupestris, mm. brachychitin, which is the bottle tree, and I do think it's said no. So what's the first one? The first one... Is it acephalium? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. Generally, they go pretty well. They're more tolerant than the other ones. It's a lot of water. Anyway, yeah. we cross our fingers. Yeah, yes. We do, we do learn lessons as gardeners, don't we? Like to be resilient through different times and conditions. Yeah. And, Jack, where I planted that, underneath the dam, I thought, right, there's absolutely – because the dam's lined, so there's absolutely no water down there. I need to put things that are fairly resilient. What a joke. <laughs> and my poor neighbour was up till four in the morning making sure the pump was have to, running the pump, turning it off, running the pump, turning it off, just to really? keep wow. the house dry. Oh, wow. Right up the top of the, the mountain there too, really, aren't you? Well, I'm high, but he's yeah. catching all mine oh, and my neighbours. Yeah, you know, he's yeah, not yeah, at the I bottom, see. though. No, 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 I haven't no, spoken no, to the people at the true, bottom. True. I hate we, to. We really did have um, a tropical downpour. I was actually driving between our yeah. two sites and... There's right, Warburton Highway. It looked like someone had tipped a truckload of bricks that just washed out from one of the road. It was mm. that was frightening. Yeah, um, yeah, frightening. yeah. and, and that, to get into Warburton at the moment, you have to go in the back way. Yeah. Yeah. Clo- the road's closed. Yeah, that was it was that was a downpour. Mm. I've not experienced that anywhere out of the tropics. Mm. Well, that's the thing about global warming, isn't it? It's not global warming. It's actually climate change, and everything is being more extreme. Now, what I'm going to do now is just announce some of the things that are coming up. There's quite a lot next weekend, so I'll just first announce two things to put into your diaries. Now, the Garden Design Festival is coming back. That is the 12th and 13th of November and the 19th and 20th of November. The 12th and 13th of November will be the Melbourne and Mornington Peninsula experience. The Garden Design Fest opens a whole series of gardens which you travel to by bus. 
which is a really nice way to go and visit gardens, I have to say, because in between one does all this talking with the other bus people. And the 19th and 20th of November will be the Ballarat, Euroa, Macedon Rangers Gardens. There's up to 40 gardens opening between 10 and 5 on those days. So if you're interested, go to gardendesignfest, one word, dot com dot au. And on Instagram, it's at gardendesignfest. So that is something to put into your diaries. And I have another one. On Saturday the 20th of um, November, the Yarra Valley Bonsai Sale is on at the Churnside Community um, Hall. It's a $2 entry. And again, if you go to Yarra Valley Bonsai on your website, or you can go now, pens out everybody, because this name I need to spell because I don't know how to pronounce it, M J E R L. I T S C H K A at primus.com.au. I'll spell that again. M J E R L I T S C H K A at primus.com.au. And then Sunday the 6th from 10 till 3, there's an open day at the East Keelaw Community Gardens. And they will have lots and lots of, of plants for sale. Uh, and if you've got inquiries about that, ring Pauline on 0458 932 839. That's the East Keylaw Community Garden on 0458 932 839. And then next weekend, we have got two important events and I'm going to go to them both if it kills me. We've got the um, Yay Open Gardens for 2022. There's eight gardens open, and um, you can uh, some of them in in town and some of them out. Again, you can find that if you go to Yay Open Gardens. And at the same time, Open Gardens Victoria is opening a garden just near Yay. It's called Candlebark at 179 Langs Road, Limestone, 3717. And we have one free ticket for the Candlebark. So if you ring in, oh, on, (laughs) suddenly remember, I haven't given you the phone number, on 94190155, there is one free ticket for Candlebark, which is just near Yay, and there are eight gardens open, in Yay next weekend. And of course, the really exciting thing for us in the Yarra Valley is we've got the Yarra Valley plant sale on. And Clive has organised it. Tell us about it, Clive. Well, it's the Yarra Valley Plant Fair and Garden Expo. It's our spring one. And this year we've got some really new and innovative um, stalls. It's our stand We'll have all our really good people like, you know, treasure perennials and, and your minor plants and Philip Vaughan will come down with his natives and all our traditional good people. But we're trying to get the one-offs. And we went to our, um, long story short, we end up going to Fish and Feather in Kilsyth. And they're going to come up and bring up a big uh, fish display, uh, aquarium display. Mm-hmm. And they're going to do aquascaping. And if you haven't seen aquascaping, Google some aquascaping. It blows your mind. It's underwater bonsai is about the closest way I can describe it. Goodness gracious. And um, we went to the Pet Expo the other week and saw the the winners of the aquascaping 
our competition, and he's coming and doing an aquascaping display. So, and we've got another guy called Mark who imports carnivorous plants for our quarantine, and he's bringing his collection of nepenthes and Venus flytraps. Wow. That will be fun. And they're all most of those are really new new imports. And then we're hopefully going to have a, a tree climbing demonstration from a training organisation, depending on the weather. So we, we and we've got some extra landscape design people, and we've got PP Five. Now this is a a cooperative uh, venture between Garden City Plastics, our biggest pot company, and Norwood, our biggest label company, for recycling plastics for labels and pots. About time, very well, important. It is, and. I just learned the other day that if a label's a certain size, it can be recycled. If it's less than a certain size, it can't be recycled because it's too small. And yet I much prefer the small labels mm. in my garden because mm. I'll leave them there, whereas the big ones I won't leave because yeah. they're so ugly. Well, about, I reckon that what I heard years ago, about 75% of all labels are kept. Like if you buy 10 plants of the one thing, you don't, but if, if, of all varieties that people keep either in photo albums or in the garden. So it's quite phenomenal. Oh, I'd love to be so organised. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not either. <laughs> and our regular Bromman Cole from the fruit, Queensland Fruit Fly yes. Prevention in the Arrow Valley, she'll be there talking about fruit fly and so, someone from DPI talking about pest identification. Oh, wonderful. And we've got Penny Woodward talking on tomatoes and garlic and Karen Sutherland talking on edible gardens. We'd never met her. We'd spoke to her for years on the phone and we're getting on a bus at the, to go to the airport. We're talking. Are oh, you Karen? Are oh, you Clive? <laughs> at six o'clock one morning. <laughs> Can I say there's a lot of people from this show who's going to be at your fair? Oh, good, good. Yeah, sure. And, um, I mean uh, amongst the people you're presenting. Yes, yes. Mm. And Jane will be there on the Sunday. And Ang- Jane Edmondson. Edmondson. Sorry. And Angus Stewart's going to be launching his book on the Saturday. And Vasily will be there both days. So it's... A lot of great people to talk to. And before the show, Jack and I were talking about Ben from Treasured Perennials because we just love his selection and he'll be there, won't it, he? Yes, he will. He's an amazing young man. He started buying Penstemon's office from our Larkman Nurseries oh, 15 years ago. He had a huge collection of Penstemon's and he's slowly gone and built his nursery up. And now he's one of the really interesting specialist mm. perennial growers yeah, yeah, with yeah. seed perennials from all around the world. And his collection is amazing and his knowledge, he and his partner's knowledge are just, mm. it, it's great watching someone grow and build a business doing something they love. Yes. Yeah, sure. And where he is at our, our fair, he's right at one end of the fair. At the very end. And everybody's, oh, I don't want to go down the back, I don't get anybody. Go, well, Ben's down there and he sells out. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'd be travelling for that. Yeah. yeah. It is. But some, we also run the Herb and Chili Festival and some of our stallholders there, you just want to slap them a little bit. They're silly. Oh, I can't go down there. It's the end. I said, it's a food festival. No one buys food from the first vendor at a food festival. Nobody buys plants from the first vendor at a plant festival. It's absolutely true. And anybody who has been like I have, has yeah. been going to your festival for years, mm. I just I head to the back and yeah. work forward. Yeah. And we arrange it in a long line, so you walk up one side, down the other side. Oh, no, I want to be on the left side because people walk to the left. I think... If you've got good product, it'll sell. People love plants, yeah. and what a great it's day a, it's out. Qu- qu- Quail Road? Yeah, Quail Road. Yeah, Which, sure. by the way, yeah. that, that man at the other end of the room, he was a neighbour for a while. Yes, that's me, yeah. <laughs> he owned the property next door to us. <laughs> no. Yeah, true. Yeah, small, small world. <laughs> on the other side to the horses. Oh, which... which... The, 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 um, east, where the lavender farm is, between yeah. the lavender farm and us, yeah, and sure, the lavender sure. people have been renting off Graham for 3,000 years. <laughs> yeah. so it was funny one, which oh, one Graham liked for dinner. Yeah, that, that's right. So, yeah. I, I attended your... The, 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 Chile, yeah. Chile, 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 Ch
diverse. You know, you've got so many different people you get in. Unbelievable. Well, it's really so interesting. That's uh, what Di's yeah, been yeah, doing. Yeah, We've been trying yeah, to find unusual plant vendors. We don't want the yeah. same ones that go everywhere. Uh, okay. it's, it's really yeah, – and sure. sometimes you've got to really twist their arms to come and do it. Yeah. And it's about making sure when the – People come along, they get to talk to someone who knows something about what they're interested in. Mm, sure. And when you talk to Reuben about his, his seed, his um, wild roses, there's a passion there mm. and a love and an understanding. Mm. When you talk to Ben, when you talk to Pete from White House or Mari from the, with the peonies, there's a passion and a love of the plants and knowledge mm. that you won't get. Even yeah. at a garden centre, you just don't get that. Exactly. And yeah. we've got Len, Len Rayner from Rayner's Orchards there. Another yeah, man, yeah. just passionate about yeah, fruits. Yeah, that's right. You pick your own place there. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It's the only place in the world we can pick fruit 365 days a year. Yeah. <laughs> and the other, the other thing I think that yeah. is so important on with these garden oh. fests is that you do get the chance to talk to people in a different way because you're talking to the growers. Yes, yeah. Sure, sure. And, and how fabulous to be out with our gardening community again. Like you just bump into so many old friends and you can take friends and your family with you. Like it's a really great And you pets out. to our place. We're pet, fr- we're pet friendly. Oh, even better. Mm. Or you can have cats on a leash, I suppose. I've never seen, no one's ever asked me that one. But. <laughs> I once saw somebody walking a ferret through the Botanic Gardens on a leash. Yeah. Really? <laughs> Good exercise. <laughs> Which is always funny. We get the exercise. Well, poor animals with little legs. We're, we're, they're, their legs are <laughs> Let me just give our numbers out. Um, Cindy has already taken the double pass, which is good, to um, Candlebark up near Ye. And our, our numbers are 94190155. Or if you want to text in 0488809855. So do give us a ring. You've got all sorts of experts in here today, plus me. So ring on 94190155. Well, I think that because I have to say Clive, I was in here with you some years ago and it was the chili festival. Mm. I said, "Oh, I can't grow chilies. I just can't get them going mm. through the winter. I have now got this huge chili courtesy of Clive." Mm. But is this is is the manzano. Massively yeah. high and is already flowering. Mm. They lo- they love the Yarra Valley. They come from the highlands of Bolivia. So they love our environment. It's perfect for us. You know, it, chilies are a fascinating class of plant. We actually tried growing one from the Galapagos, but the seeds never germinated. But there's a, a an environmental section of South America that has a chili. Everything in South America or Mexico will have a chilies, from desert to tropical to floodplains to alp, high alpine. So you should be able to get a chili everywhere. Evolved to establish in different climes. I think it's so wonderful to be able to have a chili that stays alive in my garden. I'm so pleased. And they're, they're quite hot. Then I mean, they don't. They're not as hot as the really hot ones, no. but they're, they're plenty hot enough. They're a fascinating chili in Manzano. They're mm. the only one with black seeds. Mm. I call them, They're what I call a wet fruit. They're very hard to dry because when you pick it, it's, it's more like a capsicum inside. It's very moist and wet, mm. but they make a great chili paste. Mm. And then you use the paste. It doesn't matter how hot it is. You just use as much paste as you want. Mm. But, um, yes, yeah. it's, it, I've found that it's not good to, if you want to put, Dry chili in something. I found I couldn't really dry them. No, no, they don't, they won't dry. But and the, the best way to use chili is you take it, you mix it with some olive oil into a paste, and you put it in the fridge. And if you only ever use a clean spoon, you'll get about two years before it starts to deteriorate. But the beauty about doing that is, you know, every batch of chili is going to be different heat. So, but you know, oh, this one takes half a teaspoon, or this one's half a teaspoon, a bit more. Yeah. And I find with that chili also, mm. the the spring ones are not nearly as hot. 
as the autumn ones. Could be. It's um, what they've trying to work out is that the, the the level of capsaicin in the plant depends on how humid the plant where it evolved increased the level of capsaicin. So there's a lot of theories about why they why it produces it and to prevent mould inside inside the fruits. One of them, um, but it's a fascinating um, concept. Yes, and, and the other thing too is I'm having terrible trouble with my vegetable garden because of the rats and they don't eat the chilli. No. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's a bit too hot for their palate. <laughs> but the possums do. Do really, they? Really, really we, we've had them at, when we used to do the plant um, flower and garden show. Mm. We'd have to cover our chilies, But every so often when they're super hot, you'd find them about quarter eaten somewhere. Like it's taken it, had a few bites ago. <laughs> don't like this one. <laughs> but only mammals can taste capsaicin. Only mammals. So yep. the rat. Oh well, that yeah, yes, ma- rats yeah. and mammal. Yep. But lizards and birds can't pick it up. Mm, there you go. Now we have mm. a fruit tree question. Oh, yes. We have Eleanor in Warrigal. Hello, Eleanor. Oh, hello, Virginia. How? <laughs> Fire away. <laughs> Oops, Eleanor, are you there? Sorry, I'm still here. Um. Just before I go on to my question, I was going to um, follow on from what seemed to crop up last week, which was people who inspire you in horticulture, and I rang in and talked to Stephen about Helen Circle, and I can't believe it that Graham Morrison is in there because when I was 15 years old, I did work experience, I believe, in his nursery, which was on opposite the Doncaster swimming pool. Hey, you're taking me way, 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 way back there. Okay. Yeah, well, I'm 57 now, so you can count the years and know. And I had lovely chats to your dad, and I remember him growing dahlias. Yes. And thinking, oh, one day I'd like to grow dahlias. And the funny story I wanted to share from being a student doing work experience was that one of my jobs, and it was certainly not cruel at all, but there was cacti in pots and they needed weeding. Okay. And I was looking at the ones that were really prickly thinking, oh, gosh, um, you know, I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm going to be really careful and wear my gloves. So I was due to all the protective equipment that was provided. Yeah. Then I saw this soft, fuzzy cactus and thought, that'll be easy to weed. And I dived in there with my hand to rip out the oxalis. <laughs> And because it was a furry cactus, it actually had the little hooks that were worse, worse than the big <laughs> sticky cactuses. So I ended up having to use sticky tape all over my fingers in the web space to try to get the little thumbs out. So that taught me a good lesson about, you know, do what your boss says and wear your protective equipment. <laughs> okay, you're good on you. So I remember that. Um, yeah. And um, I'm really looking forward to getting your book. Graham, and yeah. thank you for. Um, I went you. to Burnley, I think, one because of my grandparents okay. being yes. gardeners, and also because I got to do work experience in a nursery. Yes, yes. very, very good, Eleanor. That's good, 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 good to hear that, that story. That is a lovely I, I, story. I, I, I hope the boss wasn't too cruel around the place. Oh, no, no. <laughs> I know, I know. I just remember thinking, you know, what a wonderful place to do work experience. Yeah, good one. Um, <laughs> so it was a really good start. Yeah. But I'm wondering if you can tell me. About um, other people, like I, I know the circles because mum and dad were members of the Anglican Church in that area, and yes. Ruth McGay is my godmother, so oh, you dear. probably know yeah, Albert yeah, yeah, McGay. Yes, they were, yeah, Orch- or- or- Orchard family names, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I just wondered if you could sort of talk a little bit about, um, you know, orcharding. I know it'll be in your book, but maybe a bit yes. of a spoiler about 
um, the days and what was the soil like in Doncaster? Yeah, well, it was fairly poor, that's for sure. Yeah. uh, There there was a big German contingent there in in Doncaster, like the Barossa Valley there, and they came in with uh, perhaps a little bit more education and uh, uh, they they improved, you know, the... uh, the uh, the operations, the the the, the, method, the methods, they uh, they they were really really good. But uh, you know, in the book again, you you talk about old Tom Petty. He was the the the, the, the yeah the what 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 do you call the, the the king of Doncaster. Said I think he was uh, operating over to twenty different orchards at one stage. And one story that came out was that he was a yeah he, he, they said he was a devil to work and a devil, devil to make those around him work, and <laughs> and uh, he he would have the the, the boys pruning and he'd want uh, one one piece of wood hitting the ground, another piece in the air as he as he, as he as you clipped the other part, you know, there wasn't any mucking around. Another story when he was. Uh, he would he would have take, taken the the, the uh, workers from one uh, orchard to the other, and uh, he, might, he might have you know twelve or so uh, people in the cart pulled by a horse. He'd be belting the horse because he didn't want to waste any time between one and the other sort of thing. And one one day he, he looked back because it was a rough road, and uh, some of some of his workers had fallen out the back with with, with their implements and everything sort of thing. So. All these stories, and you know, there's quite a few of them, like you say, in in, in, in my book of uh, uh, early pioneers. Yeah, but, uh, that's good, good, good to hear from you. I'm glad, glad, glad that you've got uh, uh, you've kept that interest in, uh, in in horticulture that you started off with, maybe in my nursery. <laughs> and Eleanor, you did get the um, the the address for. Contacting Graham, so you can get a copy of the book. I think we might have lost her. Oh, didn't we, have. we? Yeah. seem to have lost her. Oh well, she'll still be listening. We'll give it again. So I'll just give it again. Yeah, yes, okay. exactly. Yeah. Um, so it's if you wish to get a copy of Graham's book, email him on Graylee G R A L E at hotmail dot com. And we've got a couple of questions on online also for you, Graham. Okay. Can you please tell me? Oh no, that's treasured perennials. Wrong one, Graham. What what would be the outcome if I did not spray my dwarf peach and nectarine trees for leaf curl year after year? Yeah, good, 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 good question. Uh, yeah, you, a copper spray, of course. We we used to put one on in early June and then and then late, late late July, and that would control things very well. We used the old Bordeaux, which was copper sulphate and limel, but. Uh, if you if you if you don't run you depending on the year this year it's been particularly bad because it's a moist moist year the fungus seems to get out of control more and so you get this horrible looking deformed coloured bulbous looking leaves that come on the things. Uh, if you if, if you take if you get a small dwarf, dwarf tree, he goes around and he take, takes a lot of that that off. They give it a couple of months and they they shoot out and they're free from it sort of thing. So it's it would barely 
kill your tree or, 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 or harm it to a to, to extent if you don't put the spray on. So it'll just look yucky for a few month, for a month or so, then yeah, it'll be fine. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, good on you, Clive. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. I think that's probably the answer that I got there, though. Yeah. And one of our other questions is for contact for um, treasured perennials. Now, I have their email, so I'll give you that. As I said, they're in Druin, but I don't actually have the address. But their emails is allaboutgardens, one word, allaboutgardens at outlook.com. So that's Ben Brooker and Kerry at Treasured Perennials, allaboutgardens at outlook.com. Or come to the plant fair. Or come, of course, come to yeah, the plant yeah, fair sure. and you'll meet them. I'm not sure if they're open to the public or not. I'm not sure. I th- yeah. They are a wholesale nursery. Yeah. I think you if you it's can just... go by arrangement. I yes, think. yes, they're an online nursery, mm. and um, yeah. So I think the best thing is to go to allaboutgardens at outlook.com, and the very best thing is to come to the plant fair next weekend. You'll have. At least two truckloads of plants he'll bring up. Oh my gosh, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, a yeah, lot yeah. of plants. It'll be, he's, and and if, they, if they run out, they go back and get more. Oh, yeah, yeah mm. they do. No, so they're, they're fabulous. They're a lovely couple. It's just, yeah. it's, they're the epitome of what, what makes our industry so good. <laughs> go on, there you go. Now, yeah. the, the next question, you'll have to forgive me if I leave the mic, but our screen is extremely difficult to read, and this is quite a long one. Good morning, team. I have a cherry tree in a pot that's three years old and it it seems to have shot hole disease. Any advice on how to deal with it? It's a, is it a Japan, Japin Perry or Lapin Cherry? Lapin, yeah. And if I can ask another question, any advice as to what edible trees to grow in pots? that only get around four hours of sun. I'm growing in pots as I don't have a lot of space. And that's Peter from Altona, who's one of our regulars. Mm-hmm. The, uh, it's a year for fungal disease, of course, because of all the, 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 the moisture, moisture around. But uh, you know, if you feel that you can use... Uh, I don't know what that, that noise is going on. Uh, if, if you... Uh, don't mind using a fungicide. There's plenty of fungicides around that you could you, 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 you use. We've got some crazy noises going. We're being haunted in our We are. Our We've got some noises. And I don't sorry. Know. Sorry, it's Eleanor. Oh, I, I Eleanor. The, sorry, I went. I had technological issues. Yes, and, um, you did, darling, like and I'm... I didn't turn you off. It's my fault. I'm really sorry. Oh, did okay, you? but can, I, can yep. I just say thank you very much um, to Graham for being a great mentor to, um, I went to Templestowe Technical School in those days and yes. it was great to do nursery work mm. experience. Mm. I ended up not choosing the um, nursery stream at Burnley. I did the amenity horticulture okay. Okay. stream, but at least yes. um, working in a nursery like that and um, hanging out with Graham and his dad in particular, yes. um, I've really good. got very, very fond memories of. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you very much for um, well, that's getting fantastic. that started. That's fantastic, Eleanor. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank, Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye, Eleanor. Uh, Jack, you hit a chord with me when you said about you know liking your kids to get interested in the in the in the horticulture plant plant line as well. And I've uh, my kids when it just you know I suppose you know how much you personally have got, got out of the, the, the plant life and, you know, what, what, what it's meant, meant to you and you would like 
to see the, to see them enjoy it as well. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> I think that gardening really does travel through generations. Like I know when I garden, I feel like I've got generations of plant swimming in my hands. And I think about some of those experiences. Um, I grew up on a farm. I was very lucky in that way. You know, you have all these incredible experiences that really start you off on your garden journey and it's you know it's amazing to really think about the mentors that we've had in the plant world and those people that have inspired us and then also really cultivate that pathway for younger people coming through and and so fabulous to hear about some of those younger growers that will be at the plant fair because you know we really want a vibrant industry and and everybody to love um gardening as much as we do so get that experience exactly it's really wonderful to hear that those kinds of things are thriving and it's so important to really, you know, to celebrate and share what we love about plants and gardening. Did we answer the shot holes in the... No, that that uh, Dwarf cherry. It, it, it is a fun, something. Thanks, Claude. It, uh, it, it's certainly a, fu- a, a, a fungal thing, and they call it shot hole because the, the little uh, fungus or, or organism make, makes a, cir- a circle of dead, dead dead part in the leaf. It blows out, and so you look up into the leaf, and you see as though a, sh- a shotgun has gone gone through it. But uh, so, just uh, sorry, how do you distinguish that from insect creators shot holes? Is there a way to distinguish the two? Uh, not, not too sure. Uh, the, I think an insect usually goes from the the, the, the edge rather than in in, in the centre centre of the le- centre of the leaf claw. But uh, the other one they were talking about was a, did you remind me there was a dwarf, dwarf plant plants in pots. Wanting to know what edible trees could be grown in pots. Be- because Peter doesn't have a lot of space. No. But now you also said he had four hours sun. Was it afternoon yes. sun or morning sun? Mm-hmm. Because that's very, very, very different yeah, between yeah. the two. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and that's he true. doesn't say, I'm okay. afraid. No, no, no. It's, it's a bit of a difficult if you haven't got the, most of my fruit trees I talk about, like at least half a day sunshine, you know, at least half a day sunshine. But as far as, you know, for a pot, whether he, he realises there's so many dwarf, dwarf trees available today, you go down to Bullion Art and Garden, and I counted 30 uh, different varieties of trees on, on, on dwarf, dwarf, dwarf stock. rooting stocks. Yeah, sure. The other thing is if you look at where a plant comes from, if it's a small plant like a finger lime, by nature it doesn't get a lot of sun because if it's a small plant, there'll be trees above it. Mm. So I'd say finger lines will probably do fine. Yeah, Some of your la- yeah. the chilli you're talking about. So yeah, if you look sure. backwards into a plant where it comes from, yeah. if it's naturally a small plant, yeah, sure. it will be more shade tolerant than a tall plant. And then you've got your things like coriander yeah. that just are desperate for not having afternoon sun. Yeah. Yeah. And there's some of those subtropical fruit trees yeah. as well that we don't grow as often, but we can grow in Melbourne, in Melbourne and, and very comfortably, and they yep. are more shade tolerant too. A white sapote will grow in the suburbs of Melbourne, mm. and it doesn't need a lot of sun. Mm. Um, and you've got some of your, your, dwar- your smaller lemons too. And um, it, it all depends on what sort of food you want to eat. Mm. I'm going to say it again. Come to the plant fair. Yeah. Len Ray will be there, and yeah, I can guarantee sure. he'll have it. Because he's got – oh, oh, no, no, the one that goes well will be the um, Cool Climate pawpaw. Yeah. That'll grow well pop-up. in that, yeah, and yeah, um, yeah. that's a it's delicious true. fruit if you can get it to fruit. And you can always do all of those beautiful Asian greens and different kind of Asian herbs as well. They do very mm. well in the shade in pots. Yeah. Yeah. And um, wasabi. 
Yes, exactly. <laughs> wasabi. Oh, look at this. <laughs> now, before we go to wasabi, we're going to just go to some Margot, who has got a citrus question for us. Margot, hello. Hi. What a beautiful day for the garden. <laughs> yeah, sunshine out there now. I know. Still? Um, <laughs> I've got um, a range of citrus in my small bourbon back garden. I've got an espaliered grapefruit. I've got oh. a, a bushy kumquat and I've got a potted one. Yes. And I've got a couple of lemons and a finger lime. Everything's going nuts. They're just pushing yeah. out these water sprouts. Yes. Should I prune them off at this point or is yeah. that a bad thing? Yeah. There's a leaf miner that gets into those new, new, new shoots, which is a bit of a problem. Um, mm. you, you haven't got that. But, you know, I, I, they give it's specific times the uh, directive cocoa comes in for pr- pr- pruning sort of thing, a, 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 a rigid thing. But in my experience, you know, to, 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 to trim the little shoots that come out, it makes for a more bushy tree. You don't get a whacking big tree sort of thing. So I, I, I think when you've got excess growth like that, to bring those little shoots back half, you know, a, a great idea at this time of the year. Yeah. And is a water shoot a productive shoot? You know the ones they're quite they kind of snap off. Yes, I know. We we used to have those in the orchard days. Sometimes they're useful to to making the framework of your your tree. You know that you mm. you you need another limb there so you can uh, uh, foster it and uh, get, get 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 to uh, just to perform that 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 task. But uh, 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 otherwise, uh, they uh, it's not such a bad idea to take to take take them off if they're you know. So why are they called water shoots, and why do they perform that way? They seem to seem to get onto the uh, a, 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 the, the the sap stream of the the the, the plant, and get, get a good uh, suction there, and uh, and away they go. Now mature into a tough branch. Yes, yes, they certainly can. We see water shoots on other plants too, don't we? Like especially roses, like especially this time of year, you'll see those big, vigorous um, limbs kind of go up that you can prune off. They certainly can become new as opposed to the old. On the rose, I always like to keep them, having checked they're not below the graft. Yeah, true, true. (laughs) Yeah, they really can, you can use them to really um, rejuvenate rose bushes, which is fantastic. (laughs) Virginia, I don't know whether I'm out of order, but I... You know, I'd like to tell the listeners out there that in Clive Larkman, we've got a bit of a wheel there. And uh, I don't want to embarrass you, mate, but I looked up the internet and I thought, this guy uh, seems to be in, in, in going for everything and chairman of this and treasurer and that. And he's, I think he was the uh, Victorian State President of the Australian Institute of Horticulture, oh. treasurer of the Australian region of the in, in International Plant Propagation Society. I think you had... Uh, uh, positions on the uh, Nurserymen's Association of mm. Victoria as well. Before we do that, we still have got um, Margot online. Have you got any further questions, Margot? I beg your pardon. <laughs> um, no, that's okay. That's so interesting. Um, I, yeah, today's a day I'm going to try to fill up some big pots at the front of the house. I've got a, a lot of my mother's, um, they, uh, the native Australian orchids, oh. and I've also got some cymbidium. Lovely. Um, is it the right time to do that? Mm-hmm. I would have thought so. 
Yes, yes, I think okay. it's a great time I'm so, to so sorry about Indian and I, 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 no, I apologise. No. I appreciate your, I'm just, I've got 30 different varieties of citrus in my, my, my garden. I've actually brought a few in today to, and they're on the internet where I've rang Lizzie Leaf. I think they're, they're posted there if people want to have oh, a look at it. Excellent. Yeah, I will. Sure, sure, sure. So, Thank you so much. Okay, Margot. Thanks, Margot. Thanks, Thanks. for your call. Yes, I, mean, I could go. I could go on. I'm sure, but well, uh, he he was he goes overseas. This was about the, the the article. I think it was about 2011. I'm sure, it still still goes on. Uh, once once a year, hunting for plants. Uh, he brings home about 200 plants on average a year. A, a, a year. Are you and, finding and it much more difficult to bring in plants now, Clive? Uh, sorry, yeah, extremely difficult. Um, with the occurrence of Xylella, which is a, a bacterial disease in Europe and America, which has been around for about 200 years, but oh, in yeah. 2018, mm. while we were busy buying salvias in America, they decided that Xylella was a major issue mm. and that any plants from Europe or America mm. have to be put in 50-degree water for 30 minutes. Oh, my goodness. 50-degree, um, right? Yeah. Mm. And so... There's plenty of a plant that wouldn't mm. take nah, that so at So we all. lost all our salvias but one. Killer, killer cranberry survived. I don't know how that survived. Gosh, yeah. <laughs> um, it's hard going, isn't it? It is. Yeah. We do the quarantining for other people now. We're, mm. we're one of the only people who do commercial quarantining. Mm. And I'm about to invest a significant amount of money to build a new facility like the one they have at Mickleham, not the COVID mm. quarantine, the plant quarantine out there. Because I believe if I build my own quarantine facility, I can get some of those plants through that 50-degree treatment. Um, Yes, because you're doing it with more care and love. And it's really changing as well, like the biosecurity, the new act that's come through. It's really increasing the kind of regulation we need to cover. I'm actually only 25, and this is actually dark hair, but I actually deal with biosecurity (laughs) four times a week. Yeah. (laughs) But I was just, just finishing up Virginia by saying that uh, there's something like each year he produces about two, two and a half million plants. So, uh, you know, you people out there, I hope you appreciate a man like that that uh, give, gives you so many different plants and uh, well-grown plants. Thank you, Clive. Thanks, Graham. <laughs> That's much appreciated. Okay. And it's funny you said it. I, was, I like to bring plants into the radio station to talk about something different. Mm. And I was walking through, and I thought, God, which ones do I take? Mm. There's just hundreds there. I've got to take some perennials and some edibles and some indoor. And I just, <laughs> just weird plants. Tell us about the wasabi you've brought well, in. Wasabi is an amazing plant. It, it's grown in north-central Japan, where our daughter-in-law comes from, just near Nagano. And um, they grow it in running water there to keep it healthy, but it doesn't need running water. The best place for wasabi plant is a fernery. They have a, a, a huge ratio of leaf to root. So therefore, in a hot, dry climate, you've got to keep them moist all the time to keep them alive. So, so it doesn't need to be running? No. So it, they can sit in a very shallow... Does, no. That's not right. You look healthy <laughs> enough, doesn't it? That's just in pot. <laughs> yeah, and and they love it. And what I found, I've never seen these before. All these. Yes, these my wasabi's doing to, that. Talk, talking about yeah, water, water shoots. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And the leaves are edible in salads. Yes, and they just make the perfect little garnish, don't they? They look so cute, the little heart-shaped leaves that you can yeah. put on top of things. And the, actually, they're fully edible. Mm. And it's just an amazing plant. One interesting, a little bit of 
tidbit of information. The was- wasabi you buy in the supermarkets here, that paste, mm. and even at the restaurants, is 95% horseradish, 5% wasabi. Yeah, that's right. In that's Japan, it's 90% horseradish, 10% wasabi. A wasabi stem, which when they're a ten-year-old one, is worth a lot of money, and you grate it, its shelf life is fifteen minutes. Oh my goodness! <laughs> oh really? So the, you the, have the, to use it just immediately. Yeah. So what they'll serve you is the wasabi root and the grater, and you grate it onto your food. Oh, there you go. Oh. And really? It, it's. I wrote an article a few years ago on heat because there's three types of heat. There's mustard wasabi horseradish heat. There's capsaicin chili heat. There's pepper heat, and they're all very, very different heat, mm. and have different ways of approaching it. But I, I, it's a, they're just a beautiful plant and they're pretty easy to grow in. It's a lovely plant. I've, I've got it sitting in a, a shallow water. Mm. I'm not, I took it out because of the, cl- yeah. the temperature at the moment. But when it's hot, I, I have it just sitting in some shallow water. Yeah, yeah that, that'll work fine. That cold doesn't bother them. As I said, they come from near the ski fields of Nagano. Mm. So, yeah. And there's about five or six cultivars and it was actually interesting. The early wasabi in Australia were all smuggled out of Japan. Right. And they were smuggled out, so they came out with viral disease and a lot of other problems mm. because they weren't, Japanese weren't allowing them to leave the country. Mm. Now you can buy them in tissue culture. We've got a, a huge wasabi farm in northern Tasmania that right. supplies a lot of wasabi. Mm. It's a fascinating plant. I just yeah, sure. And unlike horseradish, I mean, horseradish is, if you have it, you have it for life. You do, you do. <laughs> it's impossible to but get rid of. But we sell a lot of it and we can never get enough stock. Well, they say yeah. it's one of the things that, you can really make money on on if you've got a small holding. You know, horseradish is something you can really... And, and you know, when you do have fresh wasabi or fresh horseradish, like that complexity of flavour that you get when you harvest it directly from your garden, it's not comparable, it's is not, it? No. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not a gardener. You, you, I'm a plants person. I collect plants. If I'd been born to somewhere else, I might have collected books. Well, I collect them as well. But I'm a collector of plants and I love botany of plants. And... I also love cooking. And when I go and do cooking classes and teach people how to use herbs and spices, I say don't use dried herbs, dried spices. Mm. They're a waste of time and money. Mm. If you don't believe me, you know those pepper grinders? Mm. Get a pepper grinder and put your caraway seed in that and grind the caraway onto your food and then smell that and smell the dried caraway. Mm. You'll never use powdered spices again. Mm. Sorry, Hoyts and McCormacks, but... <laughs> Buy the seed and grind it yourself. I agree entirely. And have a cupboard full of pepper grinders with all the seeds in them. Yes. Yeah. Like grinding fennel seed into a cup of tea. It, yeah. It's just, instead Nothing. of having salt and pepper on your table, have a, a box with all the different spices you can grind onto it. And then when you grow like fennel in your garden, mm. you can harvest the seeds fresh. You yeah. know, you can do that, but you can also use the fronds and oh, all the of the other beautiful things and edible flowers like fennel has an amazing pollen it's got a beautiful flower there's so many different yeah, ways yeah. that we can use these plants when we grow them at home and the, and one of my favorites is the green um coriander seed mm. i just think it is delicious mm. yeah. put and that in your grinder put it again grind no, it into your tea I, I, oh your whole the, the green i always grind yeah. coriander yeah. seed i would never buy dried gr- yeah. but but the green one i put it the last thing I'll put into the curry All right. is green seeds. So yeah. they're and you and you bite into them and and you can put them Delicious. in a salad. Yeah, yeah and that true. humble flower, like that, is so great to draw in all those beneficial insects into our garden Ooh. as well. Yeah. The um, the, the the seed is fantastic. All all those fresh seeds and fresh flowers, and many people around other cultures around the world look at the Western people and go. You are just dumb. Now, you just use the garlic bulb. You don't use the stems. You don't Mm. use the flowers. You just use the fennel seed. You don't use the... 
and and my we were up at it again at my daughter-in-law's parents in Nagano and she's doing tempura carrot tops. Mm. Yummy. That sounds like <laughs> dinner. <laughs> I know what I'm having for dinner and, tonight. And um, he makes, our son and daughter, they make a, a, a sesame oil, sesame seed and carrot top salad. Yum. You know, sounds sure. wonderful. So what am I supposed to do with our carrot tops? In the bin. Now, I have a, another question from Leah in Malakuta. She and her husband have built a house with a garden a garden roof in Malakita with lots of salty sea breezes and winds. This incredible wet season has leached not all the nutrients but much of the structure of the soil. Do we have any suggestions on ways of adding appropriate structure to the soil in her herb and veggie patches and without too much weight or water retention? And she said, we're already adding mulch and organic mm. fertiliser and seaweed tonic. Roof gardens and patio gardens are an issue in, in multiple ways. You've got a weight issue, you've got a water holding issue, and you've got a compaction issue. Because it, it, they're shallow, they do com- compact, you're really going to need some good quality potting mix. This series is the best yeah. thing to put in because it ticks all those boxes because it's designed to in pots. It doesn't compact for a few years. So accept the fact that a roof garden really is a pot. Yeah, yes, it is. it's a vessel, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. It is. And um, <clears throat> I remember going to uh, Shanghai to visit a, a, one of our pa- partners over there and they have these huge trees in in rooftop gardens that are, you know, yeah. you five or six inches deep. And also maybe just looking at that plant selection too because if you're in a coastal region, there are interesting pla- plants like rock samphire and all of these other things that you could possibly use that that don't need or require as much nutrition as other plants. So really kind of exploring what those possible yeah. edible plants might be. Yes. And those that'll take the salt stone yeah. breezes yeah. or anything. Well, well samphire is another one. It's like a, man- a mangrove. It's amazing. It, samphire is a term for a whole range of different species from all around the world that grow in very salty conditions. Because mm. I did a lot of work trying to collect samphire and I thought, mm. we've got, oh, I've got the right samphire. And the chefs will say, no, that's the wrong samphire. We want this samphire. And there's a really good one that grows on the coast around Port Albert mm. in Victoria. And that grows in salt water running on top of it. It's, it's tasty. It's got a nice that sort of salty samphire taste. But we also collected one from on the banks of the Murray in Mildura a few months ago. And, so, and then you've got all those different kinds of Australian salt bushes too. Like I love that old man. Um, salt Netflix, yeah. yeah, just yeah. incredible. That big leaf that you yeah. can fry like sage. That's Amazing. Right. The other thing with the salt tolerance, if you get the plant young. It'll <laughs> grow into it. Plants, are, we, we yeah, keep thinking that the plants are going to die if anything in the world changes. They don't. They're really, really adaptable. And if you get them young, they'll actually adapt to quite a huge range of conditions. Mm. And, and so sometimes the plants that may not be thought of as salt tolerant, if you get them young and you nurture them through, the rosemaries, your oreganos, your marjorams, mm. your, your thymes. I mean, I've seen but thyme. It, they will all grow in this. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. However, she also has a lot of shade, so she's looking for ways of um, growing edibles in shade. Now, I go back to my coriander, yeah. mint. I mean, Mint does, was, she's already planned wasabi for her fernery. Yeah, she's yeah. on that page. Vietnamese mint as well. That does really well in the that, shade. That's, I, don't, I never understood why I got the name Vietnamese mint. It doesn't look like mint or no. taste like mint. It tastes like coriander. has a heat to it. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, it's polygonatum odoratum. 
Um, and it's also very important not to put it in the garden because it yes. can go, can take off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so all, great for a container. Yeah, all mm. of those plants are perfect in pots where you can mm. contain them. But even just in the mints, we do about 20 different cultivars. We've got lemon, mm. ginger, grapefruit, banana, mm. menthol, basil, you know, it, it's fascinating. Yeah. And that reminds me, like, that's actually another beautiful edible that you can grow in the shade is all the gingers and galangals as well, yeah. the turmerics. Like, and they're all fantastic. Warm, and your coco, oh. so you'll be warm enough to grow all them because yeah. you won't be getting the frosts. Yeah. And uh, yes, malakutish. Yes. You do turmeric, ginger, galangal, they're all beautiful and horseradish. Yeah, but I have to do <laughs> a shout-out for flowers as well. Like, yeah. there's definitely lots of flowers like hellebores and things like that that do well in the shade. You can't eat them. Oh, you can't eat them, but they can feed your soul. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're beautiful. Some, some of the new hellebores that we brought out of Europe, which is a cross between the Orientalis and two other species, they're, up, they're huge upward-facing flowers with bright colours. just stunning. Fantastic. I went, yeah. went and visited this hellebore breeder in, in um, Munster, near Munster, and he's been breeding hellebores for 70 years. And they've got 20 hectares, and they, they sow... 10,000 every year and they pick 10 mm. and then just plough the rest in. And oh, there's so much beauty in the world of plants. Trialling the new varieties, my goodness. It's lovely if they look at you a bit, otherwise they're all hanging down there and you don't get the beauty. Yes, if they're standing up, that would make them really quite special. In Europe, they were trying to breed them so they flower before Christmas because, of course, we don't have that issue. And they were really trying to get a hellebore to flower at the start of winter. <coughs> then they had another one called Icebreaker because it was the first one to break through the ice in, in spring. Yes. And, I mean, Not one of our problems. You, you talk about some of what I've done, but I've had this privilege of travelling the world and meet so many passionate plant collectors oh, yes. who specialise. Like the guy in just north of San Francisco, um, Kermit, Kermit the Frog, I can't remember his surname, is Salvers by the Sea. Mm. And he is an eccentric, yeah. passionate salvia collector and breeder, and it's just you visit him, and it's just oh, my new best friend. Huge <laughs> <laughs> passion on what he does, and and, the, you tr- and I love England's habit with the the plant collection. You go and see the plant collector. Yes, they just and and their yeah. version of plant trust. Yeah, is, that that's, is that's a book. It's extraordinary because they have got. I mean, there is such a tradition in England of yeah. growing. It makes it quite exciting. Yeah, it does. Now we have another question for Graham. I have got a lot of grafted scions from Werribee this year and popped them into wheat sea sole the next day planted them in pots. That there were cherries and apricots, peaches, got excited, heaps of growth. But all below the actual graft, what did I do wrong? The uh the so the, 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 the graft They were grafted scions. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's the the the, the 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 part that they grafted onto is is, is what, with with the, the shoots sort of thing. I wonder yeah. if they he planted them deep the, enough. The, 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 or she, a, it's a un, kin. Unfortunately, the, 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 they've failed. The and grafts the, the, failed. The, the, the grafts have failed, uh, and they're, they're certainly you know. Uh, I'm a bit nifty with the with the, with, the, with the knife, and I've got uh, you know cherry tree with ten different varieties on it, and it's. Peach tree with eight and a ch- uh, yeah, citrus tree with. But a, she's a, she's and, taken and, them, and, expecting yeah. 
the graft to be successful. Graham, she hasn't done the grafting, my, so that's My suggestion hard. would be to get a, a very sharp knife and just scratch, scratch the stem above the graft mm. to see if it's still got a bit of green. Because if it's got a bit of green, then you want to cut away the shoots yeah, from the rootstock yeah, and true, it may allow true, the top true. to grow. Because it may not be yeah, dead yet. Yeah, because yeah, don't yeah, forget, yeah, <laughs> we've noticed the yeah, weather. Yeah, Everything yeah, is yeah. going to be... Everything that's based on temperature and light level, not day length, is going to be four to eight weeks behind this year. So it may pay just to check because the graft may not be dead. It's just being overtaken. Yeah, good, 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 good call. One one of the lurks, if they're grafting again, if they're taking a a dormant piece of sign wood and you graft it into the stock, stock below... Put, 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 okay, you, you, you probably wrap it with uh, uh, pl- pl- plastic tape or you, you put the, the mas- mastic on it, whichever way you, you're going there. But put, put, put a little a bit, uh, a paper, not a paper, a plastic bag uh, uh, over that sign, t- tie it, and it's like a little hum- humidity, humidity crib in there. And that, that gives the, 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 the sign a lot better chance of taking Mm. It works. So, so definitely, the, have a have a scratch. Very gentle scratch very to see whether yeah, they may still be alive. You, you, you know. And if they are, get rid of the shoots. shoots from the base and, yeah, yeah, and t- yeah. just t- give them a bit of tender love and care. And cross, we'll all cross our fingers yes. for you. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So the other plants we bring is hops. This is another most fascinating plant. About five years ago, I started collecting hops plants. Because they were ridiculously prices here, and only specialist collectors were selling them, and they were selling them at between fifty and one hundred and fifty dollars a rhizome. Oh my goodness! And a few of them wouldn't sell to me. <laughs> I had to get staff to go and buy them no, because okay. <laughs> we know how to turn one rhizome into five hundred plants in about yeah. a week. Oh my goodness! <laughs> but so we collected all these these hops, and now we market. We sell them in our hops range with with the all the the what do you call it the the aroma profiles and the bitterness. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, oh, I, grow, I grow some of your varieties at home, my partner's into his craft right. beers. And I have to say that the annual um, hop vine does look quite beautiful when it starts getting all of those little flower clusters yeah. on it. It just looks really divine with the lime green. In England, they're an ornamental. You grow them around your door mm-hmm. and they, 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 they're a very beautiful one. Mm-hmm. And they're beautiful when you see them in yeah. Kent, when you see them mm-hmm. in the, in the yeah, paddock. They're stunning. Yeah. Absolutely stunning. Yeah. Oh, yes. But as a botanically as a plant, they're fascinating. Mm. They um they are so day length dependent. Mm. They shoot away and they put a certain growth on at the spring equinox. Mm. Then they hit the summer solstice and they start to put the laterals on. Mm. And then the autumn equinox is when the the, the hops form. And it's just a really yeah. fascinating growth yeah. habit. Yeah. And they will not hop if they don't get 14 hours a day, light a day for a certain number of days. Oh, there you go. So very you can't very grow them anywhere north of about no. – so you can grow them, but you can't hop them mm. anywhere further north than maybe um, Wollongong, Sydney, because they don't get enough daylight. Hey, Interesting. These are the ones that climb yeah. up a few metres up into the, the, the heavens. And they? we did one of those yeah. boat cruises in Europe, Diana. It, it was a holiday. But they did a tour of a hop farm and a tour of the Mercedes plant. I want to go to the Mercedes plant, but Diane says we had to go to the hop farm. Diane was right. Yeah, she was. And we went and saw the hops ambassador. And her job was to talk to people about hops. And they grow them on a very fine copper wire. And they'll put in about 8 to 10 metres of growth on each tendril every year. They cut them and they process the whole thing, wire wire hops a whole lot, back this bolsh, and they take the hops off. Mm. And they're breeding hops 
as a medicinal plant for curing diseases in Europe, as so, well as just a beer. So question, do they need a lot of water? Yes, yes, they do, because they're growing like at just ridiculous rates. Because I tried to grow them during the drought and I just gave up. No. But I will try again, yeah. actually. And the other thing they sell in Europe, because when the hops plant, it puts multiple shoots and they want three. The other shoots they cut off and they sell them as hops, asparagus spears because they look just like a white asparagus spear and they put them in jars and they pickle them. They really do. I didn't know that they were edible. Oh, that's yeah. something else to eat this summer. Which is summer. just really fascinating. Fabulous. Yeah, another one for your book there. Yeah. Delicious. Now I've got quite a few more texts have come in. Could you suggest a good book or website that, that describes what is edible and how to use the different edible parts of plants, flowers and herbs? Isn't it called Super Bloom, a guide, field guide to the... St- <laughs> this this does indefinitely include edible flowers, so my beautiful book does include edible flowers. But if you're looking for something that more focuses on edible um, fruit and veg, what would you recommend? Well, Renaissance Herbs actually has a book that we've written on all our edible plants. It's a collection. You've just got to start collecting books. There are so many out There's there. There's great ones out there. Sure. And I, I'm, there are going to be excellent websites and none of us can come up with one immediately. But as people send them in, Sue, what we will do is we'll... Um, read, read them out. Yeah, we'll read them out and we'll also put them on our Facebook page. Mm. Now, our next one comes from one of our team, in fact. Hi, Virginia. Good morning, team. Loving the show. It's Burn here. Two questions. Where can we buy Jack's book, Super Bloom? Well, you oh, can buy um, Super Bloom from me directly um, from my website, which is www.thesuperbloom.com.au. Um, so that is the thesuperbloom.com.au. The All one word. All one word, and I'll happily sign the delightful thing for you. Or it's actually widely avail- available in all great bookstores. So it will be on your on shelves. Definitely go and ask your local bookseller for well it. Well done. That's excellent to get onto the bookstores. Yeah, That's- absolutely. Absolutely. That says a lot about the it's quality a, of the book. Too, too, it's a big step. Yeah, it's very exciting to have this big beauty out in the world. Yeah. And take a big bag to carry it home. Can I ask another different question? I've written 140 articles on edible plants. And I've got a guy who wants me to turn it into a book. He's already going to publish it. And he's already sold the first 5,000 copies. Wow. I can't find an editor. <laughs> who can, who can convert will... it into... We will talk there. about this after the show. Yes, we can talk about that afterwards. But, but, because we have another question from Byrne. Yep, sorry. I have a eucalyptus CZI silver princess, oh, I which that. I planted four years ago. I planted it on a mound, but it's not looking good with all the rain, thinking I should replant it so it drains better. Should I add some sand or what do you recommend as the soil is clay loam in Donvale? Should I replant now? No, I don't know if you can replant eucalypts. So. Eucalypts are so touch, well, it's only, touchy. It's only been there for four months. Four months or four, four years? Four months. Oh, four months. Yeah. So she could replant Jack. Go yes, on. it could be because it is four months. It hasn't developed a really deep root system yet and and maybe with the smaller eucalypt you might be able to transplant it. Yes, it would be a bit touch and go. Um, also keeping in mind that, yes, we're having this extreme weather event at the moment, but maybe it won't be like this next year. So just keeping that, no. keeping that in mind, I think, with all our planting, that we're going through cycles of wet and dry 
high now, extreme ones. Um, but you could, if it, if it's looking so sad that you're, you're thinking about transplanting it, maybe it would be worthwhile giving it a shot only because it's a very young eucalypt. And it's four months over winter, so there'll be virtually no root Gr- development. Yes. And the other thing I would have thought is that Burn could put it in a pot. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. A large pot. And a large pot. And then and then maybe even put it back mm. there because I, I very much doubt that that place that place in her garden will be so wet mm. in the future. Yeah. True. Sure. What I talk to often with gardeners who have problems like this is if you put the plant in a pot and put it back where it was, then you can determine whether it's the soil or the environment around the area. Because mm. if it grows yes. in the pot in that environment, then it's the soil causing the problem. Mm. If it still dies there, then it's the spot. Yeah, yeah, okay. Actually, yeah, sure. I, I also think there's very little chance that it's not water. I think yeah. Burns picked it correctly. True. And I think we like that's actually something that we don't really talk enough about is some of those smaller eucalypts, especially some of those mallee species, mm. that you can grow them in big containers. Mm. You can grow them in big pots. Mm. You can coppice them. They have incredible flowers. Like there's a whole diversity of mallees out there to explore. Yeah, yeah, sure. As, as Clive says, you know, you look to where the, the plant comes from too. It's got a, a niche over in Western Australia. Certainly sandy soil, it drains very well, so it's not not, not used to our clayey low, loam around in Don, Don, Don Vale, that's for sure. I've been very remiss this morning, and I'm not saying that this is the 3CR Garden Show, and I'm not telling you who you're, ta- who you're listening to. You're listening to Graham Morrison, who is one of our absolute fruit Experts, Thank Jack you. Semler, who has just produced a wonderful book called Super Bloom, and Clive Larkman, who is about to have one of the best plant shows available in Victoria next weekend. So that is who you're listening to this morning on the 3CR Garden Show. So sorry, everybody. Now I have another text in. Sorry your brachychitin appears to be dying, Virginia. Yes, I'm very sorry too. <laughs> My native frangipani, frangipani, seven foot tall, has lost all its leaves. So that, it could be the wet that's done this damage, question mark. Stems are still alive. We could get a week of sun. Could our waterlogged trees recover? Such a blow. Climate change is bringing a whole new level of challenge to gardens. Rose in Mitcham. Now, yes, I think I'm definitely going to leave my brachychite until the end of summer. There's no if, – if this stops, it'll definitely recover. If it doesn't – and I'm sure your frangipani has lost its leaves because of the rain. Yeah. Mm. We're talking um, the end of the rain, end of November, early December. Hymenosperms are a pretty tough plant. Mm. They've grown right across the east coast of Australia. Mm. I'm, and most, most Australian plants will do a fairly extensive period without leaves. So I would suspect that they'll come back. Yeah, sure, yeah they sure. should reshoot, especially yeah. if it's established one. I yeah. think definitely give it a crack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Virginia, I don't know whether it passed into your mind, but sometimes if if there is a, a water flow towards one particular tree, with with a bit of digging, you can uh, redirect yeah, it. Re- re- redirect the water. I don't know whether it's uh, possible or not, but. Uh, Another ploy. A very logical thing to do. Yeah, sure. Yes. My question about the editing was: I was then going to get on to and say, Jack, how did you go from where you were to producing the book? 
Well, I was very lucky. I had a bit of a fairy tale story where Thames and Hudson approached me to share some of my perspective and, and desire, you know, my great passion for plants. So I was very, very lucky to actually be uh, approached by Thames and Hudson to create that. And um, we can definitely talk about editors later, but to actually work with a team to bring together a beautiful book is quite a wonderful experience to have all of those different skills Ooh, and yeah, editorship sure. and things. A lot of back and, back and forwards, you Lots know, of sort of thing. back and forwards, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. absolutely. <laughs> and, and, you know, to work with the designers and things like that because it's got all of these gorgeous illustrations as well as photography mm. through, through it mm. as well. So we're very, very proud of the beauty that Superbloom holds. It is a very be- It is a beautiful book. Mm. So how did you decide which plants got in and which ones didn't? Oh, God, it's like choosing children, I, isn't I knew, it? I knew you were going to say that. I just you were going to say that. Uh, I think I just, it just, um, 70, like obviously not comprehensive at all, but more than 70 plant profiles. I really wanted to choose a gamut of plants that celebrated some beautiful Australian plants that are very florific, but then also other resilient things and things easy to grow and a whole spectrum of plants as well from shrubs to annuals like Californian poppies that are so resilient in our Australian summers that sometimes aren't grown enough. And so I think it was very hard to choose and hopefully um, my next set of children will be able to make another book. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Very good. To me, um, as consumers of books, we never actually understand the work that goes in before you even get to this part, it's it's the the work from five years ago research yeah. that builds the need to have to develop the book. They're not they don't just pop out of your head. Well, for most people, they don't pop out of your head yeah. with a couple of hours work. It, it's a, no, it's yeah, it's a long hard it's, road. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's true, true. Yeah. Mm. I was uh, fortunate through my life. You know, a little bit of in, in, interesting stuff, but it was a little bit of humorous, of, often sort of thing. I would, I would just write it, write it down. I put it in a big folder, so it was a, a big folder of bits and pieces throughout my life, sort of thing. Always, yeah, I thought, th- th- thought I would possibly get together. Probably would have never happened other than lockdown happened. I had no, no, spare time, so you're go, a go, clever go, man. Go no. <laughs> I don't know about that. I, <laughs> I think that's quite true, though. A lot of us have done something we wouldn't have thought of doing. I put no. in a rock garden. Yeah. Um, mm, you know, sure. we lockdown did bring things out of us that I we built, didn't know were I there. I built a new propagation facility. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. But just you talk about the notes. My, I, I so much regret my mother's father was one of the last game catchers in the world. He kept going oh, for zoos. Really. And the stories she told, and we never yeah, wrote yeah, any of them yeah, down, yeah, and I yeah, just, right, I regret exactly. that yeah, so yeah, much. Yeah, that, yeah, the, the, yeah. yeah, she was the last of those that, remember that film Out of Africa, the Robert Redford character? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was exactly what her father was like. Goodness and gracious. she grew up in that world, and we never rec- and recorded it. Just, it. Mm. That's so why I so say you're a smart man. You put yeah, the notes yeah, down. Yeah, and yeah, said, yeah, even if you got run over by a bus, the notes were still there. Your kids could have put it together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True, true, true. Thank you. Yes. Now, have we got any advice on this one? What is the best way to keep a cycad in a pot? Semi-shade. I say this because we were in the back end of the nursery and I found about 45 rare cool climate cycads. I bought the seed 20 years ago and the plants were still there. Um, don't, no, no TLC, big pots, well-drained, and just water them when they're dry and not too hot. Well, that's fairly easy. Mm. And they're such a beautiful structural plant as well. Like if you've got a little collection of pots, like having like a big feature cycad in a pot would just be magnificent. 
Neil, these ones that you know, the traditional cycad, the macrosamia, mm. these ones that have a very narrow, tall base and really tall fronds that come up about a metre and a half. Fabulous. And they're just, oh, cycads are beautiful. Yeah, stunning. And do you know the macrosamia? Do you know how it um, propagates itself? By seed. But they're hard seed to germinate, they're hard to grow. Although, when I was in Europe, um, there's a, one of these people I got to know, he, they grow cycads, and he looked at what we sold here, and what our best ones wouldn't even make their bin grade. They, they have to have like 10 leaves, not one colour, like veteran leaf. And I'm not sure they had to do it by tissue or seed over there, but they mass produce them in pots. No. For which, for what market? For The, 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 the domestic garden, um, home market in Europe. Indoor plants and patio plants. I presume indoor plants, yes, because mm. I can't imagine that they would um, survive in many in any of those northern European gardens. Oh, and Graham, um, what have you got there? Oh, I, I just uh, on, on, on that red page that you uh, what, what's the, what's the name of name of there? The three CR um, Facebook page. Facebook page. Thank, thank, thank you. There's a uh, a little photo there, and uh, I, I have the, the the citrus in front of me. I'm a bit of a, uh, uh, a specialist in in, in citrus. Uh, people m- 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 mainly tend to think that uh, you know you can count the number of citrus on your hands. Indeed, up in Scoresby Horticultural Research Station, when I was up at Hawkesbury Ag College, we went up to Gosford there, and they had over 200 different varieties of, of citrus. So, like every other thing you get into, it's a, it's a surprising what is there. Uh, if they if they look at that page on the uh, on the the, the large the large piece of citrus fruit there is what we call a a, a t- t- tangelo 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 uh, this this one they call it a, a tangelo is a cross between a a, a grapefruit and a mandarin uh, they they say that it's got the best uh, you know, of both both worlds there Virginia, and uh, it's it, it's just a lovely p- p- piece of fruit and it, it it's not commonly uh, this one is what they call it Tangelo Orlando, and it's not not commonly used uh, around the, in, in nurseries but they can chase chase it a lot of. Ma- ma- mandarins, they, they after a while they go dry inside. Yes. This one will st- stay from about, 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 about July through, through to January and full of juice. It, it, it's just a lovely thing. A little bit of a tang to it, not quite as sweet, of course, as the other one. And then I've got the little little man little cum cumquats there, and this, this is a, a, a an oval one, uh, and. Uh, uh, the the normal one is Marumi, yeah, and this one is called Nagami. Thanks, thanks, Clive. And this 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 one, I just pop it in my mouth, skin skin and all. My granddaughter, she just goes and pops off the tree and puts them straight in her mouth and shoes them. She just loves them. And that's just a good one to chase. The 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 oval shaped one, Nagami. Uh, I've got a couple there, another h- hybrid that's a cross between a lime and, and a kumquat. They call it, call it limequat. Lime, lime they <laughs> look fabulous. Yeah, again, it's a similar sort of thing. You can eat the, the, the rind as well, well, well as the flesh, flesh, flesh inside. Graham, you have to come out to my place, my house. Yes, yes. We've got about 30 citrus trees there, yeah, only yeah. two of which I know what they are. Yeah, I'm trying to work out the fruit. One has this, like, on the same bush as mandarin looking fruit, yes. then a tangelo looking fruit, yeah, then a lemon looking fruit. Yeah. All... Go on, right in the one oh. tree. Oh. 
<laughs> yeah, well, we have to do that, Clive. Uh, there's a couple, couple of locusts lo- early in the thing where we were talking about old-fashioned plants. Mm. That's pretty old, old-fashioned oh, one. Yeah. But if people who, you know, it, it, you've got to get a graft, grafted plant. You get the, the, the seed. You get locusts from, from a seeded one, but they're never as good. That one's called ma- mammoth. They're large fruit and they're tasty. Uh, it'd be best to go for the, for the grafted one. But it's tough as all get out. You know, you can't k- 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 kill a... Uh, a uh, uh, locust. Uh, the only other one I've got there is a, co- a, a couple of uh, tamarillos. Yeah, I, I love you the tamarillo. Them, People yeah, sure. don't know yeah. about tamarillos, yeah, and yeah, it's exactly, a very pretty exactly, fruit. Exactly. Yeah, you find it a bit of a niche in your garden. It's a little bit frost tender, but that, I've got a, got, got a corner, you know, where I put it. Yeah. Lovely tree, and I pick them over a long period of time. It's just a delicious thing. And I've yeah. cut the tree yeah. down several yeah. times, and it just comes back. They yeah. would have done the gentleman who had the pot in the in the four hours of sun. They would tamarillo would be perfect. The only thing that kills ah. them is frost. Yeah, they get away with it. That's yes, that, and that, he that, lived in Altona. Yeah. That'd be yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there is a perfect suggestion for our friend in Altona. And if you do the red or the gold, they're both Try beautiful. the tamarillo. Yeah, yeah, I think the gold true, tastes sure. better. Yeah, exactly. I'm the same. My mum used to make a, like a chutney and put them on steak out of tamarillos. Yeah, but, but for the, the golden one, uh, the, 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 again, Bullion Out and Garden have got... And the other thing, good thing about Bullion Out and Garden, that the, the new road was going to Cocoa and they, they're going to be gone. They're, they're allowed to stay. Yeah. So that, that, that's really, really, that's really, 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 really good, good for all, all, all us, us people. But uh, that the golden one, Denmark Gold, I'd agree with you, Virginia, it, it, it's, it's more tasty than the... It's the, got the, a beautiful the taste, Love, yes. Lovely taste. I just cut cut them in half and spoon 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 the flesh out and mm. enjoy myself. Yes, <laughs> I treat it the same as a persimmon. But they're in the tobacco family, and the leaves stink. You know, when you the, oh, I, and it's one of those things that I, I hate it, but I go and do it to remind myself I hate it. <laughs> but they're a lovely. Tree. They are a lovely tree. They've got an interesting form, and you can prune them into an all compact bushy tree. Yeah, true. Yeah. Just keep them out of frost. I adopted a big dog in the lockdown because Mm. her family got deported. Mm -hmm. And the thing about this dog is it absolutely adores every single bit of fruit you can think of and will eat the kumquats off the tree. (laughs) And because she's so big, she can reach and she can get and she eats the apples off the tree. But she loves the kumquats because a lot of people won't eat kumquats. That's right, exactly. Did you ever meet my friend Ian Tolly? Oh, yes. I've yeah, been up there to his, his uh, oh, citrus orchard. We <laughs> have, your mind. We have another call. We have Robert from Mitcham. Good morning, Robert. Hello, Robert. Oh, no. I might have missed. Robert, could you ring us back? I think I mishit the button as you came, as I was bringing you on. Okay. Oh no! I found you. I found you. There, there we go. Oh, I can hear you. Oh, good. Yeah, we fantastic. Can, we can, We've we got you. Hear, we can hear you now. There you go. Well, I was talking about uh, Kumquat Nagami a little while ago. We've got one growing in a pot, and the uh, the rats happily just about ring barked it. Oh dear. I wrapped it up with, uh, smeared it with Vaseline, wrapped it up with grafting tape, and it's yeah. surviving, but it's not surviving. It's, it's, it's not flourishing. Oh, God, any, right. any thoughts? Who ring barked it, Robert? I missed that. A rat. Oh, oh. A rat. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Will it will it rebark on the bottoms? Yeah. When you all, when you've got one little bit of you know 
live bark there. There's hope sort of thing because they they will. Uh, what what's the word 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 Clive? They uh, uh, the bark will form back yeah, again the, around the, 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 the new tissue will d- develop and spread spread around. But I, I think I would have done the, exactly the same thing as you. Put some grafting wax uh, uh, around and get some. Um, uh, cyclone, any any wire mesh, and put yeah. a ring around it, yeah. so that the rats can't get into it to get back to them again. Yeah. Good, 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 good. Yes, they don't seem to have come back, yeah. but uh, they will. In my poor, <laughs> poor, poor, poor old mind, I just thought thought that to to encourage the the, the development of, of of tissue, some people would get a, sh- a sharp uh, in, end of a knife and and, and just cut around the edge. Of, uh, just, just very gently, uh, like the, uh, the, the, the cells there bro- 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 break them open, and that, that, that as the the article uh, explained, would encourage more development of that that uh, scar tissue. That's not on the way the bark is where the bark isn't. Yeah, just on that. Yeah, true, yeah. true, true. The the mm-hmm. boundary really close to the actual uh, boundary between alive and dead. Should I leave it still wrapped up? Yes, I think that's the best. Would the Vaseline be a good one or or maybe get some of the grafting paints? It's hard to say, isn't it? Sometimes grafting paint deters the growth a bit as it protects. So the old Yeah, yeah, I, I, I still think that's the best way to go. Put your your, your, your grafting mastic on and and, and put a pl- 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 plastic around. Yeah, and maybe do something like a sea salt, one of those those liquid seaweed nutrients, not the fertilizers. That might help. I was wondering some... about getting a bit of vigor going into your tree. Yeah, sure, sure, yes. And Robert, do you have rabbits? <laughs> no, we don't have rabbits. Because no, I, d- I do find that rabbits also will ring bark mm. my trees. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, so much Well, I think we're probably in too much of a build-up area for, for mm. rabbits unless someone's got a, mm. a tame one to, to mm. escape. But no, uh, no, 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 they'd be reasonably confident as rats. But yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. Your garden going well? I think I've heard you before there, Robert. I won't know you. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, Graham. We, 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 we've been good customers and we, we love to hear you back. Oh, thanks, thanks mate. <laughs> well, thank you, Robert, for ringing in. Thank you very okay, much. Okay, thank you again. Okay, bye. 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 And we've also had a question from Sue in Heathmont. She has, I think it's cornflowers that have grown very tall with no flowers. They've been in for three months. Should she cut them back? Well, I wouldn't expect them to be in flower yet. No, mm-hmm. not not with, not with this lack of sun. Mm-hmm. I've got some up the bowling bowling green. I look after the garden up there, and there are just a few flowers coming now, mm. but, but just sporadic. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. it's just been too cold. Yeah, sure. Well, um, I don't. Know. <laughs> it could be lack of sun, lack of sunlight, not yeah. day length, but lack. Of, see, your lavender is going to be four or five weeks behind this year. Yeah, because they love, love the light. Yeah, they leave light volumes, and the cornflower could be the same. And yeah, it could, we just haven't had so, much sun. No, it's exactly so much. And I, I mean, obviously, some things you cut them back. You do the Chelsea chop, and that mm. is very good. But whether you a cornflower will come back if you well cut enough. it, I have no idea. No, I mean, the flowers are to come, and they'll rob themselves of the flowers, so they cut cut, cut them back. Mm. I'd, 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 uh, yeah. So you would advise to leave them a month down the track. They might have been enjoying the flowers. Mm. Mm. Yes, I think I think it is lack of sunlight. Mm. That's what I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, sure. It's it, 
It's like the hops. You need to understand your plant. Is it day length? Is it sunlight or is it temperature? Mm. Which of those is it that controls what the plant does? I thought that was fascinating that the hops are very specific about length of light. Yeah. It's, and um, You can grow them anywhere in the country, but you won't get them to hop right. if you get too far north. Yeah. Just don't get enough daylight. Yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just fascinating what different plants require. And again, you've got to go back to where they came from mm. and you'll understand what they need. And if you tra- treat every species of plant as a really smart, intelligent human and the only job that plant has to do is to procreate and you were that plant, what would you do in your environment to make the best conditions for your young plants to grow? And that's how they'll grow. That's what they'll do. Yes, it makes sense, doesn't it? And I must admit... You know, when I grew in England, my first question now, I never ask. My first question when I plant a plant now, first question, can it take the northwest wind in summer? Before I ask even about how much sunlight it wants. But see, that's a good question. I don't like, like is it hardy? Well, you're talking Ballarat winter hardy yeah. or you're talking kind of Barra brand summer hardy. It's, <laughs> what do you mean by hardy? You know, it it, it dep- sure. depends where you are. And hardy in England means it, it tolerates frost. Hmm. Hardy in Australia means it tolerates heat. And what people don't realise is one of the reasons roses are pruned so hard in Britain, which we yeah. merrily copy, <clears throat> is because they need to be protected from the frost. Yeah. Well, we don't need to protect That's our true. roses from frost, so we don't need to prune them so hard. No, we don't. But... There's a lot of things we do because yeah, Europeans yeah. did it yeah, and yeah, grandfather yeah, did it and he never understood yeah, yeah. why he did it. You know. And that's why I come back. You've got to look at – I used to say I know how a plant grows but I don't know how to grow one. And you need to look at what the science behind the plant is to understand oh, what. Yes. Yeah, and luckily your wife does know how to grow plants. She knows how to make money. <laughs> when, when she's in the, in the dead tube, she's counting how many dollars are dead. <laughs> yeah. But it's like my mum was the same. My father used to say, your mother can grow plants. She doesn't know what she's doing or how she's doing white, but she can grow plants. Some people have just a natural affinity for them. Oh, yeah. Now tell us about another one of the plants you've oh, brought in. This is one of my favourite odd ones. I pass it across. It's a size of fragment. Ah, you've never heard of that. These are in the hydrangea family, and um, they have the, a bit like the old hydrangea, um, not the ball flower that sort of hen and ch- they call it hen and chicken type flower. They're amazing climber. They're quite vigorous. Mm. They'll grow in full shade and in full sun. We grow up our toilet back of our toilet block at Wandon, which is faces south. Mm. Then it gets up onto the roof and grows, which yeah, faces yeah, north. Yeah, really. And they're so tough. Does it flower in on the south and on the north? Yeah, yeah, wow. it's, it's amazing plants, and they're underrated. They're hard to propagate. They look easy, and sometimes you get a good strike. Sometimes you don't. But not many people grow them. That one's called Moonlight, which has a lovely pale, creamy moonlight flower. There's a couple of Taiwanese ones as well, and they're just a really unusual plant. And where does this one come from? Um, Southeast Asia, you know. It's a hidden chicken type of flower. Yes, yeah, and that, that, sure. the big petals, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, no, well, not yeah, petals, yeah, but what yeah, those yeah, sort of yeah, yeah. modified a, petals are. There's another climbing one I used to sell in the nursery. I've forgotten. Yeah, there's um, hydrangea petillaris, which is the climbing hydrangea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's hydrangea the one starts with an A, and then there's the um, schizophragmas and decameras. Okay. The three or four different groups of these plants that are all quite amazing, and if you get a chance to grow in your garden, they're fantastic. I'd like to try growing them as a 
the self-supporting standard because they put these big runners on. It'd be great to grow that up and then okay. trim the leaves and then let it push up at the top. Maybe As a, you a, can. A ring at the top or something. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. As you can with a wisteria. Yeah, yeah. That's the sort of thing I would like to do. Um, many years ago, we pulled out a wisteria at a friend's place and the staff came in and I had these six-inch wide cuttings. So you, you could, if you ever dig a wisteria out, you can propagate a six-inch wide cutting and put it in. Sometimes they'll put roots on, sometimes they won't. But it's fascinating because then you have an instant bonsai, an instant big tree. They're a weird plant. There's a wisteria in the botanic gardens which should be over 100 foot high. Yeah. It is extraordinary. It's gone up just to Pinus radiata. Mm. And it and the, they've both obviously been there for 100 years. Have you been to Allowan Garden? Well, no, you yes, have. of course. To his wisteria walk in, in spring? Absolutely fabulous. It's just this archway of thousands of wisteria blossoms. And they're prob- it's probably in blossom right now. Yes, it would be. It would be. And so that's Allowan Gardens, A-L-L. No, A-L-O-W-I-N, just about five minutes outside of Yarra Glen, next door to the chocolate factory. So you can go there, take the kids to the chocolate factory, then go to Allowan Gardens, so both parts of the family have a good day. On the Melba Highway. Yeah, the beautiful vi- place. Yes, it is. It's wonderful. He's the man, if you haven't met and spoken to John on the radio, he, he's, mm. a, he's a passionate person. Mm. He's putting in about 30 acres of wall, I think it's walnuts, no, oaks, oaks. As his return to the world, they're putting in a, a, an oak grove in this part of the world to preserve them as, a, as an oak forest. Mm. Just I wonder just, what sort of oaks, just, because in the Botanic just, Gardens just, just, we're just, moving yeah. away from putting in the British oak, and uh, there are more oaks in Mexico than yeah. anywhere else in the well, world. Yeah. I know you've just got some seed coming because I was talking to Paul about, not Paul, Dermot about bringing the seed in. I think he's just collecting plants from all over the place for mm. his oaks. But, but anyway, We're very to... much trying to get um, oaks from those warmer climes yeah. so that they'll be able to survive here. Yeah, it's, it's, it'd be good to do the breeding. Mm. And it's just, again, they're, they're a great tree. And I remember speaking to a... a when I was a younger person, to bring to an older gentleman, about mm. oh, oaks are very slow to grow. We said, well, you better put them in the ground straight away, hadn't you? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, I've got one at my place that's sown itself. I've no idea where from. Yeah. I didn't oh. do it. How big is it now? Oh, it's about four foot. It's only small. Yeah. So yeah. I'm hoping that yeah. I'm just leaving it there. Oh, they're beautiful trees. I, I just yeah. – but I like all the different plants. and yeah. I must admit, Virginia, your garden blew a dying eye away. We went and visited her garden yeah, last week, and it was very nice. Lovely, lovely. Yeah, and I'm envious. <laughs> well, mm, it was lockdown again. But you know, I heard in, in England that the oak, oak trees were spread by the squirrels. They would, would, would get, get mm. a, find a hole. Because they do, they collect on, them. On, on, and, on, yes. their, on their route from collection to mm. where they'd drop an odd yeah. one. And <laughs> well, again, you're a smart plant. What do you do? You make a, a thing which the squirrels eat, knowing that they can't eat all of them, but they're going to drop the old one as it goes along. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Mm. When I lived in London, I, I had survival. a wild cemetery backing onto my place. And the squirrels in winter, when it was cold, they'd come and they'd be, they'd knock on the window saying, "Give me something! Give me something!" But we talk about I'm I'm about climate change. It's, I, there's a lot of interesting concepts. But I was in England in '86 when the storm went through and blew all the oaks down. So was I. Because yeah. I was in driving back to Colchester, and it was just a disaster. Yeah. It was terrifying. It's just another plant that I I love. I fall in love with it. This is Ripsalis. And that one's the hairy stem Ripsalis. Goodness gracious. Yeah. 
an amazing genera of plants. We call them mistletoe cactus, Brazilian mistletoe. The range of foliage forms. We have big flat ones that are almost like a um, those white some white cactus, the things we go with the flowers. Big fat, wide flat leaves, little hairy leaves, thin yeah, mesambranthum like foliage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They different white and yellow flowers. Fantastic hanging baskets, and really tough. All the different adaptions, isn't it? Either they've they've got a reason mm. reason why they've got fluff, yeah. fluff, 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 fluffy uh, little little shoots, cactus like. Um, <laughs> and could them? you spell ripsalis for us so people can R- look it up? R H I P S A L I S ripsalis. Sorry. So yeah. it's a and it's a type of cactus, or um, does it just a, look like one? They're a type of succulent, and they're from South America in the Brazil. Argentina, that type of area, and um, they're a tree plant. Mm-hmm. That's why they, they hang down like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lovely flowers. Where they'll, they'll hang down with little tiny white or yellow flowers all the way down the stems. Yeah, um, beautiful. Just amazing mm-hmm. variety of um, range of foliage. What, what's the strawberry you've got there, Clive? Oh, it's one of our strawberries. It's one we call Big Sweetie. I brought Ooh, it in. So that, yeah. that is a big the strawberry. Sauce, you can, the sauce yeah, grab a pass it across. You can break it in half and you and Virginia can share the strawberry. Okay. <laughs> We, we released that about oh, 10 years ago, and it's the most delicious strawberry. And we buy the young runners from the strawberry farms. So the strawberry, the people that supply the strawberry farmers, so they're already pre-chilled over winter. So these will fruit in your pot. Well, as you can see, that's what we're selling. Yes, it's got beautiful fruit on yeah. it. And it's, a, it's the old-fashioned strawberry you remember as a child. You need flavour in strawberries. It has got flavour. So, that's just... It's just a really lovely fruit. Because it's one of the things that is missing. Yeah. Now, could you just tell us about the plant fair again, please? Just wondering, always never take strawberries out of the fridge. Always have them at room temperature before you eat them. Yes, I yeah. agree. Yeah. Yarra Valley Plant Fair, 5th and 6th of November at our property at 125 Quail Road, Wandon. If you buy tickets online, they're a discount at yarravalleyplantfair.com.au. 10am to 5pm Saturday and Sunday, the 5th and 6th of November. If you like plants come to the Yarra Valley Plant Fair, you will find you could get full any garden anywhere in Melbourne with a full selection of plants from there in one morning. And if you catch a train to Lilydale? The, then the bus to Warburton and you get off at Quail Road and it's 1.2 kilometre walk from there to the... To it's, the n- it's, not, it's not a long walk. No, from and you also road. ride a bicycle along the Warburton Trail and you come off, there's a, a wind your way up through there, follow the signs of the lavender farm, we're next door to the lavender farm, and they'll be open. Exercise, yeah. Yeah, that's, I'm starting to do that, lose a bit of weight. And on-site car parking, we think. Our, our, our ground dries out really quickly. I just need three days with no more than showers, not three days of... So, everybody, let's hope that the car parking will be fine. Yeah, it will be the fair. It will happen. Um, yes, I made that decision watch, that yes, we're not cancelling. Absolutely, absolutely. We will. Mo- we have to modify our layout, but it will happen. It will not be cancelled or postponed. So that is the end of this show. I hope oh. you've enjoyed today's show, and we will be back again next week. Mm-hmm.